You are listening to SequelCast 2 and Friends, part of the Tokyo Beat Podcast Network. Jim, there's a, uh, a young lady here to see you. Hey, Nadia. Hi, James. Ready to study? Oh, he's always ready to study. He's a real bookworm, this kid. Dad. I mean, he's not, not the, one of those nerdy guys, but... Dad. Hello and welcome to Sequel Cast 2 and Friends, a podcast looking at movies in a franchise one film at a time. We're uh, kicking off a new series of films here, looking at the American Pie theatrical films with the original American Pie, directed by Paul Weitz, written by Adam Hertz. Uh, I'm Matt bradley Shergi. With me is Thrasher. Well, you know, uh, Jim, uh, in uh, you know my day, I uh, did a bit of that myself. I did a bit of the old straight trip and boo. <laughs> and, uh, Alex? This is a letter from the United States Surgeon General warning people to warning people for <laughs> prohibiting them discouraging any fornication with any pies confections or baked goods of any kind as it it says on the trailer or in the poster there's something about your first piece oh god yeah um 99 american pie woo yeah I, so i mean the whole reason i think we i'd like for us to talk about these films over the next few weeks and we just talked about twilight so we'll see, and you know, maybe we'll be begging for Twilight after finishing the American Pie movies. <laughs> is um, my wife is? I, I bet she is. I bet she had things. Yeah, I um, yeah, my wife refused to watch this with me. So uh, yeah. Uh, but anyhow, with the American Pie stuff, like a while back on the show, maybe five years ago, we talked about Porky's, right, Thrasher? And, the, oh, and it's kind of like, yes, that's like the prototypical sex comedy. And then not that long ago, we talked Revenge of the Nerds. And I think American Pie is kind of like the conclusion of like the major uh, sex comedy franchises. And at least it's still sex drive. But that was kind of a one off, especially like sex well, comedies, was, like with teens. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's true with, with teens. And I think Revenge of the Nerds and Porky's, in some way, they're movies about underdogs, but American Pie, I think, is just a movie about assholes, really. Um, <laughs> uh, Alex, what are some initial thoughts on this film, and when is the first time you saw this? Because I definitely saw this in theaters when I was in high school. Oh, yeah. So this is funny, though, because, like, it's such a weird time, I think, in our culture, like, you still have, like, jocks and nerds and, like, preppies and stuff like that. But it's, like, grunge is gone. The 90s are dissipating. Like, nothing really has an edge. Everyone kind of, like, has clean clothing and shit. And I remember um, I heard all about it. Everyone was quoting it and, like, you know, referencing it. Like, oh, my God, the pie. So I watched it. I remember I watched it with a, um, a buddy of mine who was, like, more my brother's friend than my older brother's friend than, me, than mine. But, like, we were still cool. And I remember he popped and he's like, it's so fucking funny. Oh, my God, it's hilarious. And the whole time he was, like, explaining to me why, like, who's who. He's like, that's Stifler. He doesn't shit in school. And this is blah, 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 you know, so-and-so. And I'm, I, yeah, I just remember him explaining everything to me. And I just remember not laughing. <laughs> like, I didn't find this very funny mm. at all back then. I was like, okay, yeah, he stuck his dick in a pie. Even back then, that didn't really track. I didn't really get it. 
But yeah, and then watching it again, I'm like, this is a very unfunny comedy. Like they say things like like penis, virginity, boobs, but like it's not very funny. I think like the the biggest uh, triumph here is Eugene Levy and Catherine uh, Keener. Or Jennifer yeah. Coolidge. Sorry. Jennifer yeah. Coolidge, right. I mean, I also have a cold, so I'm a little off. Je- yeah. Jennifer Coolidge, who gets second billing in a movie she is barely in. Yeah, right. Yeah, she must have a good agent for that. Yeah, because it, it's oh, they yeah. negotiate stuff down to where the name placement is on, on um, in the movies and stuff. But, right, I mean, also this was a few years, I think, after South Park started. And South Park, I, I think, is a, a pretty has been consistently i think a pretty good show for the most part and um but but that's like satire right but it's also kind of extreme humor and i think sometimes if you do the extreme humor and there's no point to it like even on uh, all in the family right archie bunker is a bigot but that's kind of the point of the show like he always kind of gets the pie in the face or he learns something exactly yeah it's satire because it's smarter than it's not you know it's not mean for meanness sake or exactly humiliation for um, then any thoughts, Thrasher? Did you see this in theaters at the time, or no? This was, so this came out despite being one of the few people who was like a Eugene Levy fan before yeah. he showed up in these films. Eugene Levy could not get me into the theater for this. Like every every ad I saw, every poster I saw, just made me feel like, well, I do not want to watch this. And I was sort of proven correct. And I'll be I'll be talking more about this later because I believe this happened when American Pie Two came out. Um, but the great exploitation pioneer Doris Wishman was on late night with Conan O'Brien and ended up tearing this film series a new one. Oh, <laughs> uh. and and like oh yeah yeah well if Doris Wishman says it's crap I don't want to have anything to do with it so I didn't see this until I believe two thousand three. Wow. Um, you know, we were all we were in, you know, me and you, Matt, we were in college and yes, yes, yeah. we I had plans to hang out with a particular circle of friends who all lived in this house together. But I got out of classes before they did. So I was just hanging out at their place yeah. um, with one of their roommates who didn't go to college uh, and ended up and ended up watching it with him just to kill time until the rest of the gang showed up. And it, it was just this distinct sense of, well, I didn't enjoy that, but I guess I'm glad I've seen it. So now I know what everyone without a sense of humor has been quoting for the past three years. Because <laughs> that was a big this, thing. Like, yeah. if somebody quoted oh. and one time at band camp, you, they uh. were, did, did not have a sense of humor. You could tell who wasn't going to say anything witty from that point on. I don't think that's entirely fair. I think there's some funny stuff in this movie. I think, like, Natasha Leone, I think, oh, is no, really good in this movie. Like, but yeah, I mean, it, American Pie is, is like the McDonald's of, of sex comedies. It's like the most <laughs> flat processed product that everybody likes, but it's also sort of, I mean, I, I like what you said, Alex, about the nineties. It's, you know, not quite the two thousands. Everything's like all this people freaking out about Y2K new millennium stuff. The edges from the eighties and the seventies are, are, are shaved off movies everything is overlit everything right. is lit like a music video like everything's lit like a like a kitchen display at a home depot or something with neon lights right. everywhere every, every band like, sounds like smash mouth and blink oh punk and yeah. everyone shops at the same three fucking stores and everyone's white so I, right yeah I, everyone's I white yeah notes. yeah i mean everyone that everyone being white i think is also something too that it was of its 
time. I don't. Um, I mean, there there might be well, some not... mixed race people in in the the cast, but there's like maybe one black person in the classroom or something. Like it's. Well, yeah. Well, John Cho is in it. Uh, uh, yes. The yes, sure. the choir, you know, the choir teacher is an African American woman. She she gets a few. It's it's almost a running gag because like she she gets a few lines, but they all kind of boil down to that was good. But then that's in a better movie you could have so much fun with a teacher character who just is always an establishing shot says that was good and then leaves but this movie is not that smart right um and and i will and i will say this which actually kind of shocked me is that in so in so many like sex romps there's all there's there's almost always like a gay character, even if that character is just there to be the the butt of some jokes. Yeah. On behalf of the queer community, I want to thank the makers of American Pie for not having any gay characters in for, this for leaving <laughs> leaving us out. That's an extraordinary <laughs> amount of restraint too, because you you had some. I mean, obviously, there's gay characters in in movies as um, even like in, in in coded ways, right? Even way back in the twenties, but like in you're starting to see gay culture more mainstream with the um the lesbian kiss on Ellen was was a huge thing at I think a few years before this and but a lot of the gay portrayals in in film and TV and to correct me if I'm wrong Thrasher were just extremely broad it's like the Will and Grace sort of thing I think might be the better version of it but just extremely broad like everyone talks the same way you know what I'm saying Oh, oh yeah, the, the the broad stereotypes, and this is this is the one thing because like there, this movie had had a few ups and a lot of downs for me, and Eddie K. Thomas plays Finch, who's like a very particular character. Uh, I saw I saw a lot of myself in in Finch this time yeah. around, and we'll talk about more uh, as that comes up. But the what the, I like, but like the, I look at that like oh well, if this was like okay yeah this i i have been a part of a circle of friends like this but in that circle of friends finch is the character that would turn out to be gay or trans or both today's show is brought to you by epos gaming audio with a comprehensive lineup of both wired and wireless headsets gaming amplifiers microphones and webcams epos has everything you need to experience the power of audio like their H6 Pro lineup, which features two versions, an open or closed headset. The closed headset allows you to tap into exceptionally detailed audio and seals out ambient noise while the open version delivers natural, high-fidelity audio with an incredible soundstage. Both headsets include a magnetic detachable microphone and a sleek design that has no wild RBG configurations. Just good design. Listeners can save 15% by visiting www.eposaudio.com gaming and entering code EPOSFRIENDS15 at checkout. Oh, but also, no, he's just this particular guy. Right, I kept waiting for that turn, that even way. though I know it's not there. Right. Yeah, there's this vibe that you know he kind of knows he's better than these people. Yeah, he's kind but of he's put upon. So I mean, maybe... I don't, I don't know if I got like a gay or a trans vibe i would say maybe even autistic a little bit i don't know like it's just there's something with the performance that's sort of very quirky that makes it seem real in a way a lot of the other ones don't well he he's one of the few people who's who's really acting as opposed to just being yeah, kind of a goofy yeah. character he is trying to inhabit this role well and it's worth mentioning you know some of these actors 
didn't have much experience before doing this film, and some of them were were child actors with a lot of experience. Like, um, uh, why isn't her name on the top of the Wikipedia? That's weird. Um, like uh, the the girl from uh, Buffy, Allison Hannigan. I mean, she was a child oh, actor. Yeah. Uh, and, and then also uh, Thomas Ian Nicholas was in Rookie of the Year. Like, well, Allison Hannigan, she kind of has like a thankless task because she's just a catchphrase machine yes. and just like a goofball. But one of the things I will give this movie credit for is when they turn her completely around in the mm-hmm. final in the in the climax yeah, of the movie. We'll get there, but yeah, that, that's a good twist. Um, it's one of those things that kind of like kills Tara me. Reed. Yeah, Tara Reed's oh, great yeah. in this. One of the things I kind of yeah, Terry, about... so, like, sorry, you go. Well, if I could just say about Tara, Tara Reed, Tara Reed's kind of had a really shitty career. We we were talking before the re- the recording started about like yes. Sharknado, and she's a staple of that series. Tara Reed has a very limited range, but within that range, she is fantastic. And like this, that, that limited range, the character she plays in this is on one end of that limited range. And she does, she inhabits the role very well. And then the other is as Melody in uh, the Josie and the Pussycats movie. Like if she Josie could have just stayed Cats within is, that. Yeah, Josie and the Pussycats. If she that's stayed a great within movie, that actually. range, she could have had yeah. a whole different career. Right. And I mean, you know, it was a lot of the tabloid stuff for her being a party girl and getting to a gazillion plastic surgeries or whatever. I mean, there's. Which isn't, but I mean, if you're that young and you get that famous and get that much money, like I'm, I don't know, everyone would do yeah. something stupid, right? Big, oh, big time, yeah. What kind of so cracks I, me up, though, with like movies yeah. from this era was like, like this um, fucking, what was that? Uh, She's All That with like Rachel Lee Cook. And yeah. like you take these like gorgeous actors and be like, look at this nerd. Oh, who would touch her, right? And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? It's like right, yeah, and they all have like no zits and are flawless. And um, yeah, I, I mean, there, there is that classic thing in high school movies where people look older than they should be. And I don't think this movie has it as much as some of the other ones, like like Mina no, Savari. Most of these performers, yeah. they look like the age their character is supposed to be. And it's very rare in this kind of movie. Chris Klein that's looks true. like he's 30, but that's just because of his hairline. But <laughs> There were so many moments throughout this because I watched this with my uh, my partner as well, and the whole time she was like, "Did did is this a thing like boys do?" I'm like, "No, none of us like even at our most immature like we never like licked our friends hot, hot our friends hot mom's picture, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> we never like walked into school with yeah. like, a bag of condoms and handed them out to each other. Uh, we never like talked about first, second, third base. We knew where the clitoris is, you know what I mean? Like it's like this is all no." I, in well, my experience, you'd have some of the the third base talk or whatever, but it, I, I, um, you know, I, I find women talk about sex a lot more freely than men, uh, in my experience at, at that time. But I don't know, like, well, I think at least from my experience, um, among guys, it's more of a competition. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. the talk is just an extent of that competition. But among but among women, it's just like, well, let's just talk about a real experience. Yeah, sure. this is my maybe why I don't have too many male friends. <laughs> <laughs> like it's although odd, like like the whole and like you know a a a, a pact to to lose your virginity. That's that's a bit extreme. Uh, but I yeah. do know that again, me and my circle of friends, we were all trying to get our ends away all the time. Oh yeah. Though, but like, but not 
not in not in weird creepy ways. Yeah, you, you don't have to make a pact to uh, among your friends about losing your virginity. Don't worry, everyone's got that on their mind. Okay. Yeah, and and, and it, I will say, for, of, like, get it out of the way if you can. Get it out of the way. Right. And I mean, frankly, that's not looking back on it. That's not. I mean, I was pretty late when I lost my virginity. I think it was like twenty-two or something. Like. Um, I'm glad but, you kept talking because I was about to say, oh, yeah, how was your weekend? God. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, it's a different thing for different people. And I'm glad I didn't rush it. Uh, but at the same time, like it's you're it's on your mind so much like you can't even think at that age. Like it's oh, yeah. In addition to all the pressures of school and you got to, you know, try to do good in the exams and have a million classes and work a part-time job and all that shit. Like, yeah, it's difficult. Um, like, it's also funny because like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to like be mean about Jason Biggs, but he's like a nothing character in this. And like, yeah, when it starts in like, it's like shows the tube suck on his dick and stuff. I'm like, is that the joke? Like, is that what I'm supposed to be laughing at? Cause it's not funny. Well, I mean, at the beginning, it really struck me. This is, in a way, a period piece, because the internet had, although it had been around, like, it wasn't something everyone had at their house. Like, the idea of webcams are pretty new. And uh, you look at the size of his computer monitor, even the opening joke of him uh, trying to go through the scrambled porn channel. I mean, I don't think, I think you'd have to explain that to people today. I don't know. To explain that, yeah, yep. yeah that was a, that was a real thing. Yes, uh, I, 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 I say that I'm only speaking for myself, but I know I'm speaking for everyone here. Uh, yeah, that 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 was kind of that was kind of a rite of passage was trying to get to the scrambled spice channel at just the right time that you could sort of make out what was happening. Oh, but, although time. that is that the was, weird thing, I was though, because like... oh yes. That was one thing. I was like, "This is actually this tracks the the trying to deco mm-hmm. descramble the 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 scrambled porn channel." It was like pay per view would play your average movies until like eleven p.m. Then they would do like adult content, and it was scrambled. And sometimes you would get a little audio. But sorry, keep going. But one just thing the, the one thing the one thing that's weird though is like so so that's very true to the, true to life and true to the period and I'll I'll give the movie credit for that but then when you see what a great internet setup he has well you don't need the scrambled channel anymore <laughs> even in 1999 yeah. the internet find... was a phenomenal resource for a yeah, content you you could find pictures or at the time instead of youtube there was something called real player that made video um really compressed oh, and stuff yeah. that you could god but, but that was such a different yeah you had to really um work for it to find stuff though i think now you can find anything so quickly and like the visual and audio quality is really good and i think it and in the beginning it's you know all these movies kind of like the james bond movies all start off with a crazy mission like all the american pies movies start off with something embarrassing in this one you're jason biggs he's jacking off and his, his parents walk in and instead of like why isn't he under the covers of the bed or why is he <laughs> like uh why he should have the remote to immediately change the channel and maybe hit the channel return button to flip to the well, other he, channel. Right? Like, <laughs> he does, but it doesn't work. I guess that was the moment the battery died. 
Yeah, but, but it's so just I think so he turns like, the, accidentally turns the volume up like, oh, so embarrassing. Well, when the opening music is like the stupidest porn pastiche, like I started watching this movie. I heard that music. I paused. I, I had to physically walk out of the room. I'm like, OK, here we go. Like, it's the most <laughs> like, don't, but don't. And like, even just the music got a big laugh in the theater at the time. Like, it's such well, it's funny. a it's different. The, it's a stereotypical <laughs> porn music, but porn was 10 years away from using that music at the time. And I would like that this song, this movie has a lot of music, only one third of which is on the soundtrack. That yes. particular porno riff that's played throughout the beginning, that is Love Muscle by the Sexorama Band. <laughs> Love Muscle. I, I saw Look the Sexorama Band live in college. It was a hell of a show. No. Um, so <laughs> just kidding. But yeah, with um, the uh, American Pie, you know, talk about the music. I mean, they tried to pay Don McLean, I think, like a million dollars or something for the rights for American Pie for this film, and he wouldn't give it to him. And <laughs> and he and he was very he was still alive at the time. He wrote and uh, I don't know who the writer of the song was exactly, but he performed it certainly. And uh, and he um, was he wouldn't name what the movie was, but he's like, there's a filthy movie that wanted to use my music, and it's like it was obvious they were talking about American Pie. Oh, uh, Don McLean. Yeah, Don McLean. Yeah. And uh, it was just like, man, like, I wonder where they would have used that in the movie. But, I mean, a, a lot of the music in here is what was contemporary uh, pop hits at the time with kind of the the weak pop pump vocals. Stacy's mom has got it going on. Oh, my like, God. Oh, I was shit. singing that last night. <laughs> it's so stupid. Well, well Stacy's mom would, uh, would come be later. later. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, the... <laughs> Like, I, I have some notes about the music. So it took six and a half minutes for one week to show up in this movie. Mm. <laughs> that, that that was in everything. If if not that, the all-star. Oh, that was after this, too. I mean, but yeah. Uh, and, and one week isn't weird. isn't on the soundtrack. <laughs> weird. I just yeah. like, it's funny because I feel like every character around Jason Biggs is like infinitely more interesting. Like I think like Chris Klein's narrative is actually, I think like one of the redeeming virtues of the film. Like he actually has like an arc and like learns things and like maybe falls in love a little bit with like a consenting you know, person of his age. Cause this is supposed to be kind of like an ensemble cast, yeah. but, like but it feels so unsatisfying cause nobody seems to get enough screen time either together or separately. Uh, and I can only I can only assume that this movie was much more focused on that character, but then they found that Jim was such a successful joke delivery machine, like they just kept padding it in with more shtick with him and his dad. I mean, the original screenplay, um, according to an interview I found with uh, Eugene Levy, it the dad was kind of more into the perviness and Eugene Levy's like, I'll only do this if I can improv all my scenes. Cause I hate my dialogue. Oh my God. And, and he spent Not. time with Jason Biggs and like, there's a nice warmth and clumsiness to his character. And he feels like with, with the dad jokes and like, I love how he explains like, well, you're, uh, you're, uh, your, your uncle, uh, uncle Schmendrick, he really, uh, had time with a salami not a pie but it's like the more he tries to relate to his son the worse it is like that feels very real and eugene let me yeah, of course from SCTV, credit his he, timing he plays a, mm. a great kind of put upon dad yeah <laughs> yeah when he when he walks in on him with the pie he's like well just tell your mom that we ate it all and, and i go to <laughs> that that 
is a very true moment. Like I, 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 again, I guess I'm, I'm only speaking for myself, but I've had that moment where let's just say I had an indiscretion and my father, and my father's like, Oh, well, nobody needs to hear about this. Right. Yeah. It's, a, cool. it's nothing, yeah, nothing illegal cool. before anyone starts thinking, mm. you know, just, just embarrassing. Let me just say deathly embarrassing. Right. Um, and yeah, like those moves are not, although I can say that that pie, which it's so weird that that pie is where this movie gets its title from, but it's such a minor part of the the movie because there's this line where like, you know, one of the characters has quote unquote gotten to third base. I was like, well, you know what it's like? It's like homemade apple pie. And then later when Jim's mom has left a homemade apple pie cooling on the counter and he sticks his finger in, and then of course later goes on to fuck the pie. Um, it is... Like that when you see him stick the finger and he can actually see the pie filling, that is the worst baked pie I have ever <laughs> seen in the history of cinema. Cinema. I wouldn't eat that, let alone fuck it. <laughs> also, I mean, I think like him saying like like American pie is evidence that he's never been to third base because <laughs> yes, you yeah, know, it's like, you know, it's like I think mm-hmm. that's like the accidental joke here. Right, that, like, right. It doesn't really feel like the intent, but also just like the metrics of the pie. Let's just talk about this. Like, I would never look at a fucking pie and be like, oh, I'm going to hit that. Like, it, it, yeah. you know, it's not tensile. It's fucking, you know, crusty and flaky well, on the outside uh, and full of fruit in the inside. Like, that's well, not what then, I think of when I think of a vagina. It, I'm sorry. It, it, then the pie filling would um, stick to to everything. I think it would be pretty difficult to to clean. <laughs> Yeah, and might might cause perhaps some kind of an infection if uh, it goes through the urethra a lot. I don't know, like if you're to really get into it. But um, with uh, after the movie came out, there was a few stories in the news of like stupid kids trying to fuck a hot apple pie and getting like burns and having to go oh to the hospital. You, that that's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, no, you don't deserve a talk from your parents or anything. You're just fucking stupid. You're you, you deserved all that. Yeah. I did like the line of dialogue pie? after he says warm apple pie. He's like. Homemade or McDonald's? I thought that was that funny. was so like, smart. That okay, that yeah. is the smartest line <laughs> in the movie. God, oh man, sorry, I cut you but off. Yeah, the pie has oh, a yeah. pretty oh. high internal temperature when it's fresh from the oven. Yes. Also, it's yeah. like what, like two inches deep in the crust, right? Like, I, oh. I, it doesn't make right. any sense, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's stupid. It's so stupid. It is. It's worth noting. It's a prop department the- pie. Yeah, right. um, it's worth noting to watch the uh, uh, unrated cut of this, where he goes on top of the the, the counter. It isn't on top of the pie in the theatrical cut, uh, which I think is 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 funnier with this gag at least. Um, it's as a, it's been a while since I've seen it, but it's like you just see his his butt, and he's like towards the oven, and then he turns around and you see the pie is sort of covering his crotch, <laughs> which I think is is, is oh, funnier yeah. than than him being on top of the pie. Which they they don't show him humping it really, so like it's sort of um, by being more explicit, it's like leaves less to the imagination, I guess. Right, right. And it's not like the metrics of the pie or what bother me. It's just that I just think it's a very unfunny joke. It's like it's like Wesley Snipes' character in Thirty Rock's problem with hot tub time machine is the hot tub. <laughs> That's great. I kind of want. Uh, like a scholarly book on the American Pie series just called The Metrics of the Pie. <laughs> Such like a... I'll just like don I mean, uh, like a fake British moniker and just like wear a cardigan to get some glasses and be like, hello, I'm Reginald Thistlewith. In, in this scene, gonna... 
when when Jim says uh, goes and 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 the pie. Notice that the apple is Granny Smith. This does not mean he admires his grandmother. It's just simply the name of an apple. <laughs> Reginald Thistlewit has done for American Pie what Simon Callow has done with Orson Welles. <laughs> says the New York Times. Sara Lee frozen pies. <laughs> yes. Green pea pies are a monster. Um, so, try to get back on track. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think well, yeah, I so, twenty so, minutes into the movie, yeah. we get Harvey Danger's flagpole sitter. We do. That's. Uh, do you like that number? Which I, one? I do. That is that is a fun, high energy song about terrible stuff. I mean, it's about it's about late nineties paranoia. It's it's a it's about it's about the feeling you get when you know you've won the cold war, but your psychological mindset so requires an enemy, you go looking for new enemies and you hope one shows up. Yes. It's a it's really... genius song about that period. And I think that it went completely over people's heads. It fits and what right is it doing in this movie? American Pie Milio. <laughs> it's in the movie because people would recognize it. Ah, I see. I see. I see. The other, this is what kind of, this is another, I think, thing that really dates the film is that like about 20, 10, 15 minutes into it, right? One of our main characters who is just can't wrap his head around the idea of like female stimulation gets a phone call from Ray P. Affleck. I mean, Casey Affleck, a, a friend to women everywhere and gives them the, the, yeah. the key to this like fucking, you know, tome of cunnilingus, I guess, because like. You know, you you need a bunch of fucking upperclassmen high schoolers to write that book. Well, this this is th so this is something that I th I thought was a fascinating deep cut. So y'all are y'all familiar with the movie slash song behind the green door? No, I do not. No. So it's it's a, it was an infamous, very sort of artsy pornographic film uh, that shares a name with a, with an old jazz song called "Behind the Green Door," which is a great song. I hardly recommend Max Geldray uh, and uh, Ray Ellington's version of that song. Ray, Ray Ellington—that's the one. Um, but the sh the short of it is that it is it, it was "Behind the Green Door" was in and of itself based on an urban legend that essentially there was a hand transcribed work of erotic fiction. Sometimes it's described as poetry. Sometimes it's described as, a, as, as like a story called behind the green door that would get passed around in high schools and colleges and hidden in books in the library. Like when you were ready to pass on a copy, you would hide it in an obscure book in the library and then tell your friend where they could pick it up. Okay. And that's what this evokes. Huh. And like, like no I, for the whole time, I kept thinking, well, this should be what the movie's about. It should be a bunch of dumb guys fighting over this book that's going to teach them how to get laid and do it well. But I, I thought it was just kind of fun that there's this this myth building. Oh yeah, yeah. Some some people brought it over from Europe. It was like a guide to like sex and hygiene. But then every generation added techniques to the book, and then you know we we hide it there. And and I gotta say, it's it's a clever it's clever that the shelf the book is hidden in. The the label for the subject matter on that shelf is fluid dynamics. I yeah, I, I did notice that too. Yeah. Hey everyone, it's David Petrangelo, one of your hosts from Remember sixty four, the podcast that goes on the totally tubular journey through the Nintendo sixty four's library. Join us as we dive into classics from Nintendo, Rare, 
and into the early days of polygons and 3D worlds. Yes, we're covering it all from top of the charts down to the dingy basement and everything in between. We may even find a few hidden gems. Ooh, intriguing. Remember 64 only on the Tokyo Beat Network. I like the idea of the book too. I mean, it's it's a silly idea. I had no idea it was a reference to that um, Beyond the Green Door. That's a great catch, Thrasher. But it's kind of uh, like like the Holy Grail or, or, or something. It's like this item of great importance that kind of brings characters together in in a way. And it but it is really goofy when he he isn't really knowing what he's uh, what he's doing to his partner. And he has to keep peeking at the book in the middle of it. Like, really? Like, he can't remember, like, uh, like two steps. Like, go right. to the left and the right or, or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is. Like, you need crib notes. <laughs> What's to, so... like, the amazing tornado or whatever the hell it is. Like, <laughs> well, it's, well, it's so weird because, like, that book is really only in two scenes. There's when he finds yeah. it and first opens it up. And then there's when he has it hidden under his girlfriend's bed. Uh, when he's, when he's, uh, when he's reciprocating oral sex. And, like, and it's... Right. And it's so weird. Like when you see him study from the book, like I would be wondering what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. I would put gloves on before handling that fucking thing. That, that yeah, certainly. <laughs> right. I mean, that's I wonder if I wonder if anyone like took that prop home. That's probably worth something. The original book of love from American Pie. Oh my god. Oh, I'm You're sure it's right. sold in an auction somewhere. Oh, and hey, that particular, that specific uh, scene, the reciprocation of oral sex, 36 minutes into the film, and Hole's celebrity skin is on the soundtrack. Did you, are you looking at a list, or did you make notes of, like, one of the no, different I, songs? No, I remember that. Play? I mean, I made <laughs> that's notes. a big song. God. Yeah, no. Um, so, with uh, a lot of the different characters here, uh, someone who I think there, there's two we were we were talking about off mic that's really worth mentioning is kind of the the breakout. You know, th- this was really a breakout movie for both their careers, but one of which is Sean William Scott as Stifler, who mm. he got to start doing some. Um, I think he did acting in high school, but he also did some modeling and uh, uh, some catalog modeling stuff, and it is like. He's trying to be like a a Jim Carrey impersonation. Like the way he speaks is so forced. But at the time, like every douchebag would imitate it everywhere. Oh, yeah. Big time. Like he had a big thing on pop culture at the time. I don't know if this movie is still popular or whatever, but. Um, well, well, in the case of yeah. like the, stif- the Stifler performance is that. The Stiffmeister. Yeah. He's- yeah. yeah. He- he's clearly evoking the sort of Jim Carrey line delivery, but he also seems to want to be taken seriously like he doesn't have he doesn't bring that he he's not trying to be funny he's just trying to be a douchebag and on the one hand flawless douchebag performance on the other hand the character is just a douchebag and i do not understand why anyone hangs out with him yes his family has a cool house that hosts parties but a party on that scale let me tell you from experience, very easy to sneak into if you're not invited. You can just show up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, because they have the the gag, right, of all the band chicks are trying to get in, and they're like, nope, no party here. But, yeah, I had certainly been to some of those parties. Like, that they're not drinking out of red Solo cups, I think, is a big mistake. Like, that's one, not, what, not, not that one. That was definitely a thing at this point. Like, it's always been a fucking thing, the red Solo well, think- cup. Yeah. I think the reason why is that they want to clearly indicate they're drinking beer. If there's a red solo cup, there's plausible deniability. But when it's that cheap, semi-transparent cup, then you know they're drinking beer. 
Well, and you have the gag that I like, uh, uh, albeit it's pretty gross, but whatever, where um, the guy's getting a blowjob and then he uh, ejaculates in the beer. And because it's see-through, you can see a sort of, uh, they have kind of a special effect to it. And then Stifler ends up drinking it and then gets really sick. I remember saying, so, I, I like, so does this mean Stifler knows what cum tastes like? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> right, though? Like, it's the, uh, yeah, so I yeah. have a I have a thing about bodily fluids. I feel like I'm going to throw up right now. Okay. I cannot stand this this scene. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, yeah. just like every, it's it's like I, I have a very I have very few things that just freak me out for no reason. But this is exactly one of them. And this movie lingers on it so long. Getting through this part of the movie is torturous. And even now talking about it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I can okay. feel I can feel the bile rising to the back oh, of my throat. Yeah. We'll move on. But yeah, it is. But I, I kind of like the. I, I just like how gross it is. And it's kind of Stifler getting his comeuppance a little bit pretty early on. And they kind of do that as a running thing. What's well, uh, weird? He does the comeuppance before he does anything truly terrible. True. Yeah. yeah. And he just right. spends the rest of the movie earning that comeuppance. Yeah. Um, it's just weird though, because again, it's like it's like the tube sock thing. I'm like, is that is this the joke? Like, it's just presented, and it's like it's not suspenseful or built up or embellished, but yeah, it's not it's... good enough on its own to actually evoke laughter. Like, it's just kind of there. Like, oh, can you believe this guy did this? It's right. Like, yeah. Okay. And or you could have made it into a bit, or maybe the cup gets passed between a lot of people, and you're not sure who's gonna, you know, chug it. Uh, I don't know. Like, or like the you... cops bust up the party, and they're like, "What are you drinking here?" You know, and like, oh, sure, you yeah, know, something. I don't know. Like, it. fucking, yeah. I think like a, a movie like Animal House or something would make it into more of a scene with a beginning, middle, and an, and an end, like kind of like a, a more of a proper gag structure no pun intended but um <laughs> so we well uh I, I mean the other there's the apple pie scene the other big scene in this film uh we were kind of hinting at it earlier is with, with the the webcam right and then you have nadia the, the foreign exchange student played by shannon elizabeth that's that is a weird scene because the whole the whole deal is like she she needs jim's help to like study for an exam, but she has like ballet lessons. And so like, she needs to, she needs to change. So, and this is one of those things like, like, like uh, revenge of the nerds. It's a hijink until it becomes a crime yeah, where exactly. yes. Yeah. He like sets up the, his webcam. The so the idea the... is, Oh, well she'll, she'll, she'll change in my room and we'll, we'll watch her change. And, and, Such and a everything setup. in this scene, is so weird because like she, she goes in there to change after ballet, after ballet practice and, you know, all, all like people. And it turns out the email, Hey, hey emails a plot point that he accidentally sent the website link to everyone in the school directory, which would imply teachers too. Um, yes, but it, we mm -hmm. only ever see like students. So everyone in town watches what goes on. And like, she goes in there to change. Well, one, she's not in ballet stuff. She's not in what you would wear. Like, but also, wait a minute, ballet studios, you can change there. So why does of she course. need to change here? <laughs> like the whole time I'm like, in a smarter movie, she would actually be trying to seduce Jim and he couldn't handle it. But then when she's just kind of hanging around topless in his room, she finds his pornography. 
and then just starts masturbating for no yes, that's like, what you do in a stranger's bedroom right like, it implies that that a whole lot of stuff is going on with Nadia but she disappears from the movie effectively after this scene until the the end credits and then Jim shows up and decides because he's watching from like his friend's house and then he decides to get in on this but then because the authors have forgotten how sex works he just has an orgasm without actually doing anything right and also my problem here too is that at no point does he ever receive any comeuppance or like any fucking that's true for you know he he is socially humiliated but like that like Everyone laughing at him in school for the premature ejaculation, that comes and goes very quickly. Ha, ha, ha. Also, I must point out a song just to show the cowardice of these filmmakers. This song is not on the soundtrack, but it is in the scene when Jim strips for Nadia. Uh, It is to uh, Libra Presents Taylor's Anomaly Calling Your Name, Granny's Epicure Mix, which was on the soundtrack for Mortal Kombat Annihilation, making it a two-time <laughs> friend of the show for being in two movies we've covered. This is this is when every movie wanted to have techno in the movie, but they yes. wouldn't put it on the soundtrack because they were cowards. Aye, aye, aye. I mean... But, like, at the, like through this yeah. whole thing, he's the man until he blows it, right? Like, to all the other characters. Like, oh, my God, he's really doing it. Oh, my God, he's going to get laid. And, like, and- at no point, no one's, like, even like it cuts like to the girls watching it at one point and they're like, oh, my God. You know what I mean? Like, I just. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like, again, it's like that revenge of the nerds thing. And also like yeah. masturbating to like his hustlers. I'm like, so is this like a it, it, are they saying she's bi or something like. Right. I, I feel like you're asking for shit because they, once she expresses an interest in sex, they're all like, oh, dude, you can fuck her. And I'm like, that's very problematic. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But but also but also beyond beyond that even even when he ha- even when like he he can't like when he can't have sex with her because he ejaculates twice, she's not turned off. She's like, oh well, we're done here. But like it almost is like, well, no, you should try to have a relationship with her. She's not like she's not embarrassed. She's not angry. She still seems interested in you. Why isn't yeah. the rest of the movie? Right. She she doesn't them have, try to have a relationship. Yeah, she doesn't have the the you know uh, capabilities to be repelled by you like every other girl. So maybe you're honest. Maybe yeah, right? Exactly. It's like, and I think that frankly would have been more interesting with um, Jim and and Nadia, who's a foreign exchange student, uh, than what we get eventually with Jim and and Michelle. Although there's interesting things with that too. But like to have uh, a a character that has a relationship with someone that's not from the United States. I think, you know, you could do um, a lot of humor with that. Something. I think the idea is she has a more European view of sex, not that Mm -hmm. puritanical American view. Right. But they don't really, they don't do anything with it outside of this scene. Yeah. And, and and even then, you know, presumably she's also in the student directory. So she would have also, gotten the link so what does she think about right, yeah. being online like surely someone talked to her about it afterwards if they're talking to jim about it afterwards well and, and this this role was not a great uh start for shannon elizabeth's career unfortunately which isn't really fair like i don't think she's bad in the role but it got her really typecast in 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 a recent um podcast interview it was she mentioned you know she prepared for the part and they filmed it with her doing a very specific accent and then before the film came out they had her redub all the lines in a different accent 
which is why the accent that she speaks in the film sounds so and people would make fun of it and be negative about it in reviews and i agree it's not a great accent but she was being directed to do that and it's not i i really wonder what the original version of the accent was well, they specify she's from Czechoslovakia, so maybe she was trying I mean, to evoke a, a legitimate Czechoslovakia. More of a, more of a Slavic, yeah, more of a, yeah. But instead, she just she sounds uh, like vaguely mustachian. She's like, "Hello, <laughs> I'm here for the tooth hearing." It almost sounds like the wild and crazy guys kind of accent. Uh, <laughs> Steve Martin. That's uh, cool. yeah, who I believe they're supposed to be yeah. Ukrainian. Really? That's fascinating. I th- I, okay. I think so. I could swear in one of the early sketches they specify that they are from the Ukraine. I mean, we'll, you know, we'll look this up and we'll check we'll check it out and I'm sure Lauren Michaels will give them a movie any day now. Uh, that really that really should have happened, man, cuz like those that's one of my favorite sketches. Like that could have if Night at the Roxbury got a movie, the Wild and Crazy oh, guys with the uh, Ackroyd and Martin. And then later they did a version of that sketch with uh, Justin Timberlake that was still pretty good. It's like a third. Yeah, they every now and then those characters will come back on SNL. It's the it's the weirdest thing, and the audience eats it up. Uh, but back to this movie. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it all builds up to prom. Oh, so one thing that I I I liked, uh, and this this connects to to Finch is that very again Finch is very particular. He drinks his coffee from a thermos. He he won't use the restroom in school, which I sympathize with. I only used the restroom in my middle school and high school a total of three times, and it was Why? always under duress. I just because it was I gross. Do, no, I just did and trust it like i'm i'm I, uh, I, I am particular about where i defecate and okay so so i i yeah i i just let me just say i sympathize with this character this is a trait that i and finch definitely share but there's a thing where like between classes he sets up a little mini golf thing and like putts with it and he and he tells jim yeah. like, no matter what anyone says about me agree with whatever it is and like he keeps getting these like weird questions. Like I've heard he's like hung like a horse. Uh, yeah. I hear he's got this tattoo. Uh, yeah. I hear that he lost his virginity to an older woman last year, and it was Stifler's mom. Uh, yeah. And I love that it comes out that Natasha Leone's character Jessica Finch paid her two hundred dollars to start spreading these rumors about yeah. him to make him a more intriguing prospect for dating. <laughs> Well, Natasha Leona is really good in the film. I mean, she always has her, she has such a unique sense of timing and delivery. And her she talks like a 30 year old chain smoker, and I love it. Yeah. And, and she has, since, even since she was a kid and like down and out in Beverly Hills and stuff, when she was like a teenager, she's always had that husky sort of voice. No, I agree. Yeah, great. And, um, but I mean, she's the one character in the movie that actually has had sex and kind of is kind of like the Yoda sort of character in a way. Kind of gives <laughs> advice. And but she just like well, cuts I, through everyone's. She cuts through everyone's shit, which I think is really appealing. Well, also to yeah, be the like, Yoda I, in American Pie, you need like at least a fourth grade education. <laughs> right, <laughs> biology. But yeah, like she she's very worldly, and and it's and it's. And it's also just like fun. And I even love that bit at the end when she and Finch, because I think because a, a few things happen, because like Finch gets humiliated when Stifler puts a laxative in his coffee thermos. Uh, and oh, first, first of all, he keeps it. It's not coffee. It's a mochaccino. A mochaccino is coffee. Um, yeah, yeah. But 
anyway, it's a type of coffee. It doesn't transcend coffeeness. It's not like chicory, which is a whole different thing. But anyway, he um, like, and, and so he 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 shits. You know, he has this massive. Uh, horrible shit but it turns out he does it in the girl's bathroom because one of Stifler's friends is like oh here here's the restroom and like in his panic that's where he goes and that ruins his prospects but I love that bit where he and Jessica Finch and Jessica are dancing at the prom and it's really and it's really cute and she's like okay you paid me 200 bucks I got you this and gives him a flask monogrammed with an F which is something he totally will use when he goes to college, uh, you know, he, he looks like a flask guy. Uh, and he's like, wow, you spent 200 on this? No, I spent $50 on that. And then I spent $150 on these awesome earrings, <laughs> which is a fun <laughs> I, little exchange. That was a good yeah. business good there. One. And also I can relate to as well in the going of number two in public places as little as possible. I don't have a problem with it, but I do recall in my high school, uh, we didn't have like, doors on some of the stalls like it was in pretty awful conditions and we were ranked one of the top 10 high schools in the country to u.s news and world report magazine and they sent video cameras and stuff to film it and it was on good morning america or one of those shows they didn't Um, film you through the open doors of the stalls i'm assuming uh, they did they cut that footage but (laughs) yeah no um in in the article they did mention how bad our bathrooms were oh like which are like good for them like yeah i mean it it was because those profiles were pretty kiss ass normally, right? And it was, uh, but anyhow, it, that just made me. Th- I haven't thought about that in a long funny, time. Funny, funny bit of business. The architect who built the high school I went to built prisons, and none of the yeah. windows oh. opened. And <laughs> there was a whole. There's two floors, right? And they tried this like a revolutionary, daring, experimental thing in education where they would have classrooms without walls. Well, that lasted like two fucking months. So they threw up these like janky walls. And like in the interim, and like some of our classrooms were divided by a fucking curtain. It was so, so it's like we had the highest dropout rate. Sort of, we bet. had the highest dropout rate in the Commonwealth. It, I mean, that, that feels even, like I mean, sound he, would bleed design through. prisons. Did they just take one of his prison designs? Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Like again, a fucking classrooms without walls. Like, are you fucking out of your mind? So that means you had like the sound of several classes at once that you could hear through the curtains. Yeah, right. it was it was pretty yeah. bad. Jeez. Speaking of pretty bad, let's go, no, just kidding. Let's all go right. back to well, well, it all it all comes prom. to a head at, at prom, yeah. you know they all have their prom, and then afterwards they go to an even bigger party uh, at Stifler's house, uh, and uh, lots of characters uh, do finally have sex in various uh, situations, and like talk. Tara Reed finally has sex with her boyfriend, uh, which he's been putting off for a while. And it actually is, is like good. Like they say they're in love with each other, but then she realized, well, yeah, we are in love with each other. We can't stay together. We're going to different colleges. We're going to have different lives. Like yes, that was a yes. nice, that was a nice mature moment. And that, that was something that, that was much more mature than what I was expecting from this movie. Cause that is part of growing up is knowing that you won't always be with the person you love. And that even if two people love each other, or does not mean they're going to be together, uh, you know. And you know, uh, you know the the other guy, the guy who joined, I think Oz, who joined, who joined the choir just to get closer to this one girl, but then found out he loved choir and loved her, which was a, he gets the real arc. You know, they they presumably have sex, and it's a nice experience. Uh, then you know we get Jim, uh, Jim, and uh, uh, the girl from band. 
this is something that I really like is that they're telling, you know, they're, these, these goofy stories. And then finally she says, well, look, are you going to make a move and we're going to have sex? I'm getting kind of antsy. <laughs> and then it turned, it turns out she was using him the whole time. She figured he, he was going to be an easy lay. So she sexually exploited him the way he was planning to sexually exploit another woman. And they have sex. And I love that he comes up. Wow. She used me. She used me. I've been used. And like, he, he's so happy about that. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. that was another movie. They play it for laughs, but that is also kind of true. I have been in that uh, position. And I love that she completely disappears. Although, they have sex in Stifler's younger brother's room, which raises the question, where the fuck did Stifler's younger brother sleep that night? Because every room in the house seems to have a couple in it. You know, maybe he was, like, spending the night at a friend's house or... Yeah, I don't know, something like that. I don't know, but it's... I mean, it does show some restraint in this movie that the younger brother isn't a character, but we will see him in American Pie 2. Oh, but we do get so. we do get a scene that I want to like, but gets so weird where uh where Finch like he he's walking around the house and he ends up in this like little game room with a pool table and a little and a, a wet bar and, and Stifler's mom, who they've been alluding to the whole movie, uh, played by the uh, the immortal Jennifer Coolidge. She yes. she's down there and immediately like this like old timey jazz starts playing and like the dialogue kind of becomes film noirish mm-hmm. and like everything they say has like a, like a, a, as a double entendre or an innuendo or sometimes both at the same time. And, and it's so, and, and yes, uh, Finch does lose his virginity to Stifler's mom, but this scene and yet, yes, he, his character is uh, presumably, you know, 18 years old. So he is of age. There's nothing, there's nothing statutory about it, <laughs> but this scene raises so many disturbing questions such as, has she been in the house in every party? <laughs> and is, does she, is she literally trying to pick up Stifler's classmates? Like, is this her thing? Because it implies so. she's done this before. Right. Yeah. And, like, it's really weird. And also, there's no Mr. Stifler's mom, so I can only assume because of the palace they live in, he died and left them an absolute fortune in life insurance money. Or alimony. And it, it is a nice uh, cut on the soundtrack that they play uh, Mrs. Robinson. Yeah, it's a little on the nose from the though. graduate. They did. This, wow, this I, whole movie's on the nose, but like I think I that's think a good. I, out I think a that's bit. a well, funny. Well, sometimes it gets your eye. Funny choice. I think it's a good choice. Yeah, I mean, so and then at the end they kind of have a toast to the next phase of their lives, which is college, which is you know what the next movie is about. So. Yeah, and then and then our little button on the movie is that it turns out uh, Jim and Nadia still like they have a relationship now because he's stripping for her on the webcam, and it's a cute thing. I think one week is playing again, uh, and then you know Eugene Levy like opens the door to talk to Jim, but sees this is going on, so he just leaves. He leaves without closing the door, which is <laughs> odd. But then he kind of boogies down the hall, and then he's like, "Oh, hey, honey." implying that him seeing his son stripped has turned him on so much he must have sex with his wife immediately. Yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah, it's very, well, it's I mean, a very isn't weird even the word for it, on. right? Yeah, yeah, to end the note on that is you could have just ended with like oh it's Jim stripping on on the webcam and I don't know and if he, he falls over have... again like when he jumped on the bed or something like 
yeah. the, like that should be the last. Or fine, even, even his dad, like c- catching him in the act, like m- maybe just end with him mugging, like oh Jim or, or something. I don't know, but it's right. yeah, it's a it's such a weird note. And then we get, and then we just you know we get credits, and again see that Jennifer Coolidge's second build uh, <laughs> after Jim. <laughs> And we get a lot, well, like, and we I, get like one minute of a bunch of songs during the credits. Yeah, there's like, there's this whole, like, there's like three other movies happening around Jason Biggs's character. Like the Chris Klein stuff, the fucking, um, the stuff with, uh, you know, fucking Tara Reed and, and Chris Klein and everything. And then, like, he's such like a forgettable nothing character. Like, I just, I don't really feel like there's any odds or anything, or like, with that. Um, and the Alison Hannigan thing, I think, you know, it is funny that they that they flip it a little bit, you know, but um, like even the line about yes. the flu band camp, like it's just, and like I'm I'm a very immature person, I'm very easily amused by dumb, crude, stupid shit, but even that, I'm like, this isn't funny. I just don't like. Oh, I think of am my pussy. It's like, okay, also, have you seen? Yes, a cold metal yeah. flute with cold all these metal. weird articulated right. bits coming out of it. Like, that wouldn't work. Right. So, like something vague. Like on yeah. a dare, maybe. Right. Right. It's stupid. Well, here's something. Let's do the old, our favorite thing, the, the box office. Uh, for American <laughs> box office in 1999, where do you think American Pie placed? For I'm probably going to guess high because it was a big fucking deal. Um, I'm going to say like three. It's got to be three. And like it's got to have made it's got to have made all like 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 within a within like a half a million dollars of what the Matrix made just to infuriate me. Was this the same year as American Beauty? Um, No. Can you imagine you go to the movie and you get the wrong movie? You get the ticket for the wrong one. I know, right? It's the Ron American, right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to yeah. guess at least it's definitely got to be in the top 10. No. Oh, wow. So, I mean, worldwide, it did well, and it did very well. I mean, the budget for this was almost nothing, but this is just domestic, so the, the U.S. Uh, American Pie made $102 million, placing it at number 17. Above uh-huh. it at 16 was the John Travolta movie, The General's Daughter. And that. below it at 18 was the live-action Spectre Gadget with Matthew Broderick. Oh, well, well. And hey, the that's, top, th- yeah, that's the top, not a sequel. <laughs> right. The top three movies of 99 were uh, number three, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Number two, The Sixth Sense. And number one was Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Oh, well, now okay. that I think about this, because this got so many sequels, I think it really did make its money on home video because this was one of the first unrated Too Hot for Theaters DVDs to come out. Yeah, like my block, I, uh, my friend and I, uh, Josh, uh, we both worked at Blockbuster Video at the time, and but at different stores, and his had the unrated one and mine didn't. And he said the unrated one kept on getting stolen. <laughs> and like the inventory was really limited. And um, But yeah, so it was... Because the cover, the normal one, I think, was all the cast members, and the unrated one was just the, a, f- a photo of the women on the front, and mm. uh, the unrated cut. Ooh, and then and then later on, you had something that was very weird, where there was a, a release of um, bonus features for American Pie and American Pie Two, but each of them were their own disc, like a separate disc separate. just of special features. Wow, huh. just called like. 
behind the slice or whatever the hell it was. Like it's it was a very strange thing. Like you never saw like a, a special features disc released by itself. Like I'm not yeah, quite sure why they did that. Like and the, like, uh, like their full length documentaries. Like it's good stuff on there, but. Like the Blair Witch Project had like sticks and stones or something like that. I remember you got like the tape with it when you rented it. it oh, like all, the, all the fake like documentary footage. And oh, shit. that was on Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Interesting. Um, anyhow, yeah. So this is quite a long discussion on American Pie, but there's a lot to talk Isn't about. Isn't it though? Uh, yes. yes. One of the longest in years, just like uh, just like the float. So, yeah, American Pie. I would say. I think it's it's sequel, yes. I think there's some enough enjoyable stuff. Eugene Levy and uh, Natasha Leone. It's like more for some of the supporting parts. I think Thomas Ian, Ian Nicholas and uh, Jason Biggs are kind of bland. Um, there's just too many characters here to really kind of dig deep. And American Pie is not uh, just like a, a pie pan is not very deep. And nor is it really trying to be. So um, but I, I would still say, yeah, sequel, yes. Uh, Thrasher. Uh, so this is the second time I had seen this movie. I was watching it for this podcast. I liked it more the second time, but I still didn't come out li- really liking it. You know, you like watch a supercut of Eugene Levy's scenes, watch a supercut of Jennifer mm. Coolidge's scene. Uh, but like sequel, no, you really don't. You, you really don't need to watch this movie. Like. Just listen to this podcast again if you get a, if you get tempted to watch it. So yeah, sequel sequel no sequel no for me. Despite the parts that I liked and despite some qualities, it's just it's not it's not worth sifting through the dross. Alex, um, yeah, sequel no, and like the first time I saw it again, I had someone like explaining it to me. I didn't really need it explained to me, but it was like, oh, this part's funny. This is going to be hilarious. Oh, wait, shut up, watch this. And even then, I really didn't respond to it. And even now, I'm like, this is just not funny. I'm not like, like, if you, if, let's just say, like, I watched this, like, in 2002. I feel like my reaction would more or less be the same. Like, I don't relate to anything that's going on. I don't find any of the things going on that's funny. The only part I actually giggled at was when he bounced off the bed, because that's, like, a fun bit of physical humor. Oh, and the band at the end, the guy with, like, the fucking turban and, like, that weird Donald Sutherland-looking keyboardist with, like, the little fez hats. I thought their outfits were funny. Um, well, they're, and they're singing Midnight at the Oasis when they're introduced. I kind of expected them to have a costume for every number, but no, they are apparently uh, an Arabian like, Nights-themed cover band. <laughs> just, and I, I just, you know, again, like, this is, like, I you think I'd be the demographic, right? Because I, like, you know... I fucking fall off the couch laughing every episode of Big Mouth I see, right? But, um, <laughs> but like, I think that, like, in a world where you have, like, the internet, a semblance of, intel- like, a semblance, an intellectual semblance, and I think, like, satire, this, like, doesn't belong. Like, I would be a little embarrassed if, like, uh, like someone from, like, one of my classes or something saw this and was like, this is what you grew up on. Like, yeah, yeah, not a fan. Uh, There's a quote from Roger Ebert that's sort of damning with faint praise. Uh, It is not inspired, but it's cheerful and hardworking and sometimes funny. That's That's, fair. That is a fair assessment. Yeah. He has the film criticism diplomacy 101 there, like very, very diplomatic. Right. It's uh, interesting. Yeah, no, this was, I'm 
We'll have to see what we think about the sequels in the weeks to come. And if you want to check out our past episodes, you can get them at sequelcast2.com. I actually did a little survey online uh, about what was people's favorite American Pie movies. And uh, I got some responses combining the response on um, the uh, Spotify for podcasters interactive poll feature and on Twitter. And... Uh, uh, American Pie, the first movie, got 50% of the votes. Okay. American Pie 2, 25%. American Wedding, the third one, 25%. And then American Reunion, zero. Wow. So kind of split down the middle. I'm, Did you uh, include the spinoffs in this poll or just the, the mainline movies? I didn't because we're not doing the spinoffs, at least not in this series of films we're looking mm-hmm. at. Because I think if we watched eight American Pie films over the course of two months, we'd all jump out the nearest window. Understood. <laughs> like it's fair. good to split those long ones up. Um, although, yeah, um, and uh, Eugene Levy is in every one of those. Damn, man candy. likes to work. Yeah, he does. No, no, nothing wrong with that. Man does like to work. Um, so yeah, American Pie. Time to move on to what you're watching. I just saw a movie in the theater, and I, I think we'll, we'll talk about it on the show eventually. So I won't really go into spoilers. But I, I on Friday, um, my wife and I saw Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves, the uh, technically fourth Dungeons and Dragons um, live action movie. Technically fifth, if you count Conan the Destroyer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, or, or if you want to count animated, they did one based off one of the Dragonlance books, I think. Oh, that's right. With the really uh, not great animation. But in the voice of Kiefer Sutherland is Raceland the Wizard. But yeah, uh, anyhow. And yeah, you know, it has Chris Pine, uh, Michelle Rodriguez, Hugh Grant, um, Justice Smith, who was the, the lead in Detective Pikachu. Um, and. Oh, okay. It, you know, it's it's funny. I think it's a little bit too sappy. I like that it's not overly serious like the original Dungeons and Dragons movie was. Like, it's not like really, there is a lot of scenes of people narrating and a lot of flashbacks. And um, it takes a bit to get going. But once it does, I think it's a, it's a fun little movie. Like, it's not going to blow your socks off. But I would say it's like above average. I would say maybe like three out of four, I guess. Is there, are there meta jokes? Shockingly, no. I was expecting that. Um, yeah, that do. might be for the best. Yeah, I was expecting like an end credit scene. I mean, I didn't sit through all the credits, but uh, yeah, there wasn't, I, I was convinced like the last scene would be like Vin Diesel at a table playing Dungeons and Dragons. With, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know who else, uh, what other actors are known for playing that stuff, but yeah. So, the ghost to Robin Williams. Oh, is he into D and D? That makes I could see that. Oh, he was very much into D and D. Yeah, I had no idea. That's cool. I knew he was into the video games. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I th- I think you'll you'll like it, Thrasher. I think one thing that sort of you know, they did make references and stuff to cities that were big in like video games and some of the books. Um, and there's one point where you see a map and you kind of see like, oh, I know what all these cities mean, but like, it's going for a very general audience. I did not see 
a lot of deep cuts, but you're a lot more familiar with that lore than I am. So I think you would. Um, I don't think the movie was bad, but it just it seems to be missing something. Well, I chances are I am going to be seeing it soon, so I'll definitely let you know what I think. Yeah, I was talking to um, uh, one of our uh, former hosts on the show, uh, Georgia Jason, uh, on Twitter about it, and I, uh-huh. I agree with him in that the supporting cast is a lot more interesting than the, the lead roles. Hmm. Just like what we were mentioning in the film American Pie. Uh, so. <laughs> it all comes around. Well, there's something Came about your cup. There's something about your first piece of armor. Uh, oh, terrible. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> okay, Thrasher, uh, <laughs> what have you been watching? <laughs> so I watched. Uh, so I, you know, I talked about uh, one of the uh, Andy Sedaris uh, films, and part of that larger body of work, I watched a, a fascinating uh, film. A, a movie that was not written and directed by Andy Sedaris, but was written and directed by his son and is part of the Lethal Ladies, you know, overall franchise. Uh, it was written and directed by Christian Drew Sedaris. It is The Dallas Connection with uh, Bruce Pinnell, uh, Julie Strain, uh, Rodrigo Obregon. Uh, hmm. Dallas Connection, it, it again, it's one of those things where like, like a lot of the other Sedaris films, it is what a person who hates action movies thinks all action movies are, but it's brilliant in its way. And it's the Dallas, the Dallas connection <laughs> is a spy satellite program. There's the spy satellite. that's going to be able to track illegal weapon sales all over the earth somehow. And it needs these three special microchips that are going to come from three special international scientists and Julie Strain, as the Black Widow, is killing these scientists and taking their microchips so that a criminal syndicate can gain control of this satellite and use it to, to, to basically track law enforcement so that they'll never get – their international arms deals will never get caught. And it is so joyfully bonkers. Like, if, if your typical – uh, Andy Sedaris, Lethal Ladies movies is turned up to 11. Amazingly, this is turned up to 12. Uh, hmm. Everything is heightened beyond that point. There's this there's this whole bit where the criminal syndicate to hide in plain sight by a mansion in Texas and also by a strip club in Texas and then work in that strip club as cover for their international microchip stealing. But their stripper names are the same as their criminal syndicate code names. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just so delightfully bonkers. And also uh, this, I believe this is the last time that Julie Strain plays a villain in one of these movies inexplicably in the next film, her character black widow is in, she's now working for the good guys. (laughs) And then like a movie after that, she's running the agency. (laughs) So you mentioned the fake out ending is so bonkers and delightful. (laughs) You mentioned like action. Is it more like guns or martial arts or it's guns and martial arts. Uh, They're, yeah, I mean, you you get you get both, and it ends with this like showdown in an office complex. When it turns out one of them swapped one of the stolen microchips was a fake, uh, and it's just 
Yeah, it's it must be seen to be believed. It's delightful, and I love I love the tagline on the poster: "Spies, thighs, bikinis, and bullets." <laughs> were these movies ever like in a box set or something? Or yes, uh, there was. There actually, I think they were in several. Uh, I have, I believe, I have a nearly complete Sidaris. Uh, filmography. He did his two first feature films he did for Roger Corman, and so he I don't think he owns those. Um, but they share a lot of the hallmarks. And this is the thing, is that in his final film, uh, Return to Savage Beach, uh, through a series of flashbacks, he establishes that his entire filmography takes place in the same continuity. Wow. <laughs> Which is I... great. So, but yeah, there there is a, I believe there, there was a there was a uh, triple. There was the Triple B series box set, which I think has all the ones that he specifically wrote and directed. Uh, so yeah, that you can find them in a box set, and I think all of them are available currently on Tubi. Nice. All right, uh, Alex, what have you been watching? Um, I watched uh, da, 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 a lot of stuff. I think the thing that's most on my mind. Is Claire Denise Trouble Every Day? Have either of you heard of this? No. Is it about like microchip thefts and, and going undercover mm. strippers? I don't even know what it's about, man. No. So we get the, like we had to like put a put it to a vote on the in the film class I'm taking that because it had so many like red flag trigger warning like things. Uh-huh. Uh, and I was like, okay, I've seen a lot of shit. I'm pretty hardened. In this department, I like transgressive stuff. Yeah, you know, I dig Pasolini and fucking Driller Killer, and I'm a big, ape. you know, I've I've seen it all, right? So, how, like, whenever someone builds something up, it's so it's almost always a letdown, you know. Someone says like, "Oh, yeah, to see fucking the, you know, cannibal Holocaust." I'm like, "No, it's just animal cruelty. It's not good." Um, so walking into trouble every day, I was like, "All right, let's let's fucking do this." And I have to say, this is probably one of the most shocking cinematic experiences I think I've ever had. Hmm. Like, I would, like, take Straw Dogs and interview with the vampire. I don't even know if that's apt, but, like, <laughs> those combined sensibilities, but with, like, this weird calcified, this the Claire Denis style, which I don't know if you're familiar with her work, is very, like, hazy, strange, and searching, I guess, is the word I always go to. And... Yeah, I like a couple students walked out at a few points and I do not blame them or begrudge them at all because it's I was on the verge as well. Um, yeah, I have to say I was so thoroughly borderline. Yeah, like it was pretty shocking uh, shit. But like it's one of those movies that like really gets under your skin, no pun intended. Um, and uh, yeah, definitely it like it knows what how it knows what we find uncomfortable and presses it like it's, but not in like a provocative way, but in the fuck, I don't know. It's like, I'm, I'm working on a paper on it. So it's just, on was my it mind. one of those like deliberated pointed attack on your sensibilities? It's, it, it's, you could almost say it is, but there's this artfulness to it that it's like this, there's like this awareness of what it's doing. And it presses you and lingers, I think, is the word. And also, a lot of it is, I would say, sexual violence as well. 
which is combined, obviously, very upsetting. Um, and allusions to vampirism hmm. and all of these other things. It's a fascinating film and just wonderfully upsetting. <laughs> and I, at first I was like, that was great, but I'm never going to watch it again, but I want to watch it again. I see. That's cool. Neat. Um, all right. So we have a sequel scene, right? Yes. And this, this is early on. This is, this is right before all the guys decide that they're going to make their pact to lose their virginity. And this scene stood out to me because the whole shtick with this scene is that they're impersonating the bad dubbing on martial arts films of the area, which is something me and my friends would do. Like this rang very true to me as a bunch of like weird film fans. <laughs> they don't do a very good job of it, but yeah, definitely done it. Okay, yeah, they they to, do that yeah. thing where they're saying one thing, they're saying the stilted dialogue in a stilted manner, but also like exaggerating their jaw movements and like moving their mouth for a beat or two before and after they speak. So uh, who wants to play what part? Uh, I'll do Kevin. I'll be crass. I'll be Jim and then Thrasher, you can do the parentheticals. Okay, so separately we are flawed and vulnerable, but together we are the masters of our sexual destiny. Imitating dubbed martial arts dialogue. Their tiger-style kung fu is strong, but our dragon-style will defeat it. Guys! The Shaolin masters of East and West must unite, fight, and find out who is number one. Guys, come on, you're ruining my moment here. I mean... This is our very manhood at stake. Is it though? Mm. Is it though? Yeah, meow, meow. Okay, so. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm glad I picked the series. It'll be interesting to see what we think of the other films as it goes on. And because I, I do like that in the series, the characters get older and go through very distinct phases in their lives. And I have not seen any of the other movies, so this is all going to be fresh for I've me. I've seen the second one with the same person that explained the first one to me. <laughs> I do remember yeah. liking some stuff at the second one. And this is a fun, like, time capsule trip, I will say. Certainly, right. I mean, it, anytime I see those uh, 50-pound computer monitors, it takes me back with the... Oh, big time, right? Yeah, oh. Like, stick way back at, and... Uh, Geez, I just how how much pain in the ass they were to move into the dorms every time at school to lift those suckers across. I'm glad Gosh. we are beyond those days. Yeah, even like the televisions are super light. Like it's crazy how how thin those are. I, I still can't get over that. So it was like whenever you moved, it was like the TV was right up there, with like the couch, you know, <laughs> or the bed, <laughs> like, like the bed. Like, Never. Fuck, I got to do the TV now, you know. Yeah. Now you can, like, spin them on your fucking finger. Right, or um, a, a friend of mine had, like, a 50-inch TV when they were, like, several thousand dollars. And, yeah. Or his, his, his dad had it, right? And um, they left the TV on with the, the VCR input where it was blue with video one in the corner, and video one got burned into the screen. Oh, my those, God. <laughs> so whatever you would watch, there'd be a faint video one in the upper right corner. That's great. Um, That's hilarious. Yeah. But like, God, imagine um, what that does to your fucking retinas. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just... Yeah, just, just so weird. 
I just hadn't thought about that in a while, but yeah, with That's all funny. the tech in the, in the movie, but yeah. Uh, but I mean, those like 50 inch TVs were what, like hundreds of pounds. Like those are quite big with the speakers on the bottom and yeah. Big, big, big. Okay. Uh, the home so, theater. Home, uh, have a home theater library by the, the Disney uh, before they close the Disney vault. Video yes, yes. I'm um, still right. fucking took out a second mortgage to get a VCR. I mean, yeah, that's interesting about the... Do you listen to the Quentin Tarantino podcast at all? Avidly, no. yes, yes. It, it's, um, what is it called? Video... Uh, the video Archives. Yeah. yeah, the video store they worked at, yeah, Video Archives. And he he, he co-hosted it with um, Roger Avery, is that right? Is that the guy's name? Yeah, Roger and Gala Avery, yeah. yeah. My, right, my right. commuting has gone up to three, going, uh, three, three days a week, an hour drive each way, so a lot of podcasts Ouch. going on. Yeah. Um, and on it, he he mentions, you know, when the store was going out of business, Quentin got like just bought out the VHS library and, and uh, Roger bought out the Laserdisc library. Nice. And um, but the Laserdisc stuff had like a high amount of disc rot. Well, yeah, the video... those things uh, need a yeah. little more TLC than your good old fashioned VHS tapes. Yeah, but yeah, the VHS tapes are a tank. You could like throw it against the wall and it would still work. So technology, technology. Okay, you can follow me <laughs> uh, on Twitter at matwbt. Uh, remember, Sequel Cast Two and Friends is part of the Tokyo Beat Podcast Network, and um, you can also uh, download episodes of the show at SequelCast Two dot com. And you can follow me on Instagram at WT2Art. Uh, I should have some more fun pictures to show soon. Uh, we just did an enamel pin order. We have a whole new set of uh, petite potion pins uh, that are going to be available soon once we finish sorting through what just what what just arrived in the mail yesterday. It's going to be great. we got new colors, uh, new glitters. It's going to be fantastic. And Alex. Very cool. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CrabNebula1914 and drop by my YouTube channel, The Trailer Project. Uh, for It started as trailer commentaries, but it's actually more experimental films than anything. So <laughs> that's just the way things go. Right. Yeah, that's cool. Um, next time, we'll be talking about American Pie 2. That's the, one, that's, the one <laughs> that's the one with Stifler's brother, and um, we're a bit of trivia about that one to tease you with. They, it originally had all these scenes about Stifler and their relationship with his father, played by Chris Penn. But when test audiences didn't like it, they cut out all those scenes and did instead did more jokes with Stifler's little brother, who looks just like Stifler, but he has a potty mouth, and he's tiny. Uh, oh, boy. Thank you, focus groups. Focus groups strike again. <laughs> focus groups helping movies since never. Ever. Although surprisingly, yeah. Charlie Chaplin used focus groups. Like, yeah, yeah. It's just, well, well, I didn't realize it'd been comedy, around for that much. If you're making a comedy, audience response in the moment is important. So I, I appreciate the filmmaker using the focus group for a comedy. I do not appreciate a studio using a focus group for any reason. Watch they, the uh, episode of The Critic with the focus group. 
focus uh, focus groups are the reason Glenn Close got oh spoilers for fucking Fatal Attraction um, is, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. is the reason Glenn Close got off at the end of the movie. Right, and um, there's now a Fatal Attraction TV show on Paramount Plus. I've, I haven't seen that yet, but I'm like, I don't really. You're gonna do a whole TV show on that story? Yeah. So like the the bunny is like the end of episode three, I guess. Right? I don't know. Like, I, I don't. It, you're probably gonna have a spinoff series about the the bunny at the rabbit form being born or something because everything has to have a universe. It'll be a standalone movie about Glenn Close's character's mother, Rabbit, the origin of Fatal Attraction. Yeah. <laughs> It's a rabbit fatal attraction origins. Yeah, it's a watership down reference. <laughs> it's actually big wig. <laughs> watership down. And they yeah, they, they have yet to adapt the sequel Watership Up. Watership Up. <laughs> Airship Perpendicular. <laughs> That'd be a good band name, a Airship Perpendicular. Adventure That's... with Rabbits. Your steampunk cover band. <laughs> A blimptastic adventure with rabbits. That's going to be my production company. So, until <laughs> this is Matt. This is Thrasher. And this is Sky Captain of fucking bullshit here. <laughs> Saying. And uh, this is, uh, this one's called Shaved. It's a bit more exotic. You can see what it's about. And uh, look, look at that. Look at that, son. It's, uh, it's like a, a tropical plant. Uh, like you get in an aquarium is what it looks like. Uh, son, if you get into certain fetish groups, don't let anyone judge you. Now, um, if you uh, look here, we, uh, we don't touch this, the salami in, in the back of the fridge. That's the one your uh, Uncle Hank used to um, used to ha- have a good have have a good time with. It's uh, he really knocked his his worst, if you know what I'm saying. You, you your, tell your what, Eugene Levy is also your George Lucas. Yes, and it sounds like neither, like George Lucas sounds like Kermit the Frog, sort of, like, hey-ho, I I sold Star Wars for $7 billion to Disney, ho-ho. It's more than $7 billion, but I don't know how much it was, and I don't care. Okay. Hello to your mama, your brother,